0: So, Julia, I'd like to just say this uh, to everyone to start. This game is on radio, and Ben Wagner had another brilliant call of the game as usual. But one thing you don't see on the radio are the uh, antics of the players visually on the field. And uh, I'll just say this. When it comes to Alec Manoa today, the TV sensors are probably very happy that he was not mic'd up as he was during the All-Star game. Like, I'm not an expert lip-reader let's say julia but uh some of the expletives that were issued to both i think i believe it was franchi cordero and bobby dahlbach as the sixth inning ended eh, ones that we probably can't repeat here no let's put it that way
1: no uh certainly won't repeat them here um not on the air at least but when i tell the story later on i will spare no detail um we just like to tell our uh our listeners that uh, if you're out there if you're listening to this why don't you uh sit down to enjoy the the show
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely man Mano was fired up after a a, a somewhat rough start it kind of felt like and there was yeah. that moment be- at the beginning of the game where it kind of it kind of looked like maybe he was it wasn't it wasn't necessarily an injury, but when when something funky like that happens, he kind of it looks like his cleat got stuck on the mound and the ball went straight down into the dirt. And I don't know if it was a misstep or whatever you want to call it. But either way, he, he kind of walked around in a, in a strange fashion around the mound afterwards. And I think everyone, you and I included, were probably holding their breath because you kind of think to yourself, boy, if something goes wrong with Manoa, that's going to affect a lot more than just this one game. So. The nice thing is, looks like he's okay. Looks like it wasn't a, a huge issue. I'm sure he'll be asked about it in his uh, in his post game availability today. But Manoa, um, another fantastic outing, uh, despite you know it's funny. I, I, I've said this to you before, but I, I feel like sometimes. Manoa is so good so often almost in every outing that he's almost like a victim of his own success to a certain degree because you expect seven to eight innings out of Manoa almost every single time he's on the mound and every time he doesn't go seven to eight innings you're kind of like oh something wrong with Alec Manoa but the truth is six innings of work just the one earned run which ended up being the solo home run to Dahlbeck right after he had the little missed up on the mound and then that was kind of it I mean you take that. You take that in the modern era of pitchers and how they're used. You take that, Julia.
1: Yeah, it, the that misstep there, we don't know necessarily what happened. I will be very curious to hear what Manoa has to say. He did give up the home run right after that, and it was a hanging slider, so that was a, a, a mistake by him. And those mistakes happened a little bit more often at the start of the game, and it did seem like he was more himself- as the game progressed, not only on the mound, but also on the, on the trash talking side of things, he was very fired up there when he struck out the side to end the sixth inning. But you want to talk about consistency and what we have expected out of Alec Manoa. This is his third quality start in a row. He's made 19 starts this year, 15 quality starts. That's, uh, that's nothing to, uh, to shrug at, uh, If you want to talk about, you know, getting better as the game went on, I was looking on his uh, baseball savant uh, page here for this game. So his fastballs, both the sinker and the four seamer, he started the game at around 92, 93 when it comes to velocity, ended the game. So later in the in the later innings, fifth and sixth, he was at 94, 95 nearly touching 96. So it is one of those situations where he indeed uh, did get better as the game went on. He got sharper. He wasn't making as many mistakes. Uh, the command seemed to be a little bit off, and he worked through it, came back stronger for it in the final, in the final frames of his outing. Uh, it was really exciting to see uh, a pitcher, you know, again, as young as he is, and uh, we forget sometimes, just how young and, and, and fresh Manoa is. But working through those issues and uh, coming back and completing a six-frame outing, that was really special and really important for what the Blue Jays are trying to do as well.
0: Yeah, six innings of work from Alec Manoa allowed seven hits, the one earned run, which is the home run to Dahlbach. No walks Seven strikeouts for uh, for Alec Manoa in less than a hundred pitches, so uh, better than you'll get from most pitchers. Uh, dare I say that's Julia Kreutz. I'm Show Ali. Welcome to Jays Talk, of course, a Saturday, uh, you know, late afternoon, early evening edition of Jays Talk here on the East Coast. The Blue Jays beating the Red Sox four to one at Fenway. They guarantee the series victory. Like we're talking about, Alec Manoa overcoming that kind of kind of strange start, but uh, it still goes six innings with seven strikeouts. Teoscar Hernandez adding some insurance as well in the ninth. Jay's improved to 52 and 43 on the season. You can, of course, give us a call. 416-870-0590. 590 Star 590 on your cell. I almost forgot the phone numbers. I've said them so many times, like a, like a thousand times in, in <laughs> over the last couple of years. almost forgot them. But give us a call, or you can text us as well at 590-590, name and location. Uh, so you mentioned Manoa battling late in this ball game, And I find it significant that on the same day Manoa was battling through a start. Justin Verlander was on the mound for Houston. So yesterday, before the first game back from the break, Manoa had spoken to Arash Badani. I found this an interesting tidbit. We were going to play this during the ballgame for a pitching change, but it's only about a minute. And it's Arash with Madoa talking about guys he spoke to at the ballgame. And he specifically highlights Justin Verlander for a couple of reasons, considering how the appearance today ended. I just wanted to play this for you guys. So Let's give that a listen.
2: Romano had a couple of conversations with some closers in the visitors' uh, clubhouse. Did you have any talks with anybody that stands out when you were in L.A.? Yeah, I was able to talk to to Verlander quite a bit and um, kind of pick his his brain a little bit. And obviously he's been doing it for forever. You know, he's nine all-stars, three Cy Youngs, all that stuff. So um, being able to just talk to him and see what goes into his day-to-day and um, his competitiveness and what makes him so great, um, I think it was a pretty cool uh, experience for me. What do you share with you? He wants to play and until he can't, you know, and he loves the game of baseball and uh, his hunger to be great and, um, you know, his will to win, that kind of shows on the mound too, you know, to start games 92, 93 and, you know, in the later innings when it's more important, things like that, he's got an extra gear, he's pumping 97, 98, you know, so, I don't know, I see, you know, I grew up watching him and, and aspiring to be like that and I see a lot of similarities. and. Um. Obviously, he's already done it, and I'm inspiring him to do it. So,
0: hey, I mean, if you're Alec Manoa, again, that's that's Alec talking to uh, a Sportsnet's owner Rash Badani yesterday. I just I find it interesting, Julia, that the when when Arash asks him what did he say to you, that the thing that he immediately because I'm sure they talked about a lot of things. I'm sure he just didn't say about one thing, but the the one thing that Alec Manoa immediately keys in on is the fact that he wants to play until he can't. And I, I think that is that is so fitting for Alec Manoa because in the short time we have gotten to know him as a Toronto Blue Jay, he like he looks unflappable on the mound. Even when things aren't going his way, he's a little bit of a maniac, right? He covers his mouth and as we saw he fired up telling telling these guys to sit the bleep down and, and so on, right? And I just I, I think certainly that endears you to fans, but at the same time, I, I think the mentality is there from such a young age, and that's a good point you bring up with his age because how many pitchers are like that at that age? Probably very few, I would imagine.
1: Very few. And and, and it's that that level of competitiveness that w- we see, you know, maybe escalate a little bit like <laughs> it did today. But it is what makes Alec Manoa Alec Manoa. And we've seen him a couple of times this season as the manager is strutting to the mound to get him out of the ball game. And, and he sort of uh, wags his finger. He says, no, he says he wants one more. Uh, one more batter, one more out, whatever it is. He wants to play until he can't, just like Justin Verlander here. And uh, being able to talk to a guy like that and take in everything that Justin Verlander has to to teach, really, uh, I can't imagine just how valuable something like that is for Manoa and what kind of drive it instills in him, too, because obviously he has plenty of that on his own. Nobody can question the competitiveness Of Alec Manoa but it just hits a little bit differently coming from a three-time Cy Young Award winner as is Justin Verlander so very glad that he got to have that experience and really be around the greats because that is definitely how his career is uh, shaping up here in the in the in the young stages of it.
0: Yeah, Alec Manoa, I think uh, people, I mean, this is it goes without saying at this point, but people are going to be happy with him for a very long time to come. Uh, this is from ESPN Stats and Info. Alec Manoa picking up his 20th win of his career today, becoming the second pitcher in Blue Jays history to win at least 20 of their first 40 career starts. Juan Guzman had 21 wins in his first 40 starts. So, hey, pretty good company, right? Especially when you talk about all the other pitchers that have played for the Blue Jays in, in their their relatively long history. I think that's a, that's pretty cool. Um, let's go to the phone lines. 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Dennis calling in from the six, calling from Toronto. You want to talk about the Blue Jays hitting in the top of the order.
3: Good afternoon. How are you guys? Good. How's it going, Dennis? I'm sorting through knee-deep in my, my 33 vinyl. Okay,
0: uh, all
3: right. <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to say first and foremost,
0: thank God Buck's okay. Absolutely, yeah. I can't, I can't wait to see and hear Buck back next week.
3: You know, I mean, he's, you know, he seems like a fantastic guy I never met or anything. My wife's laughing. I'm, I never went asked her tea kettle on my vinyl. <laughs> okay, so anyway, I'm uh, sorry if I swore. Uh, so anyway, I don't want to go off on a rant, as Dennis Miller would say. But here's the thing, and just bounce this off you guys. Uh, this has been driving me mad. I'm 68, so I've been watching the Jays a long time. This drives me mad. How, in maybe the year, year and a half, these guys get out in seven, eight, nine pitches in the first, and not just today. I mean, yesterday was an anomaly. We all get that. That, that could have went. That can happen. Today was a great game. Uh, I'm just curious as why your leadoff guy is he trying to catch Ricky Henderson? Like why first pitch and he swings and. Gra- like you're supposed to get on base if you're the leadoff guy, correct?
0: Yeah, I would think so, right? You no, know? I mean,
3: like take <laughs> take a few pitches. They drive me mad. How and like I I guesstimate 15 pitches an inning is average. These guys are like eight, nine, ten, and they're out of the inning. And the next inning it's the same thing until they get to near the bottom of the order. Saves their bacon. It seems like maybe I'm wrong. I don't know.
0: No, hey, appreciate the call, Dennis. I, I think, thanks for calling into Jay's talk. Yeah, you look at the top of the order. I think Dennis brings up a good point about the top of the order just not hitting. No, well, certainly, to, I mean, last night everyone hit well, so I think you, I think he's right in the sense that you can, you can look at that as an anomaly and not expect 28 runs in a single game every single time out because that would be very nice, but uh, it's not going to happen too, too often. But Springer had the one hit. He had an RBI. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a hit. He had a strikeout. Alejandro Kirk had a hit. He had an RBI as well. Bo no hits to Oscar Hernandez had the RBI at the very end of the game, the insurance run. Um, and after it, well, Hey, I mean, that was a great, that, he turned that AB into something after it looking like it was going to be nothing when he was kind of, it looked like he was guessing <laughs> at one of the pitches there. And he, you and I kind of looked at each other going like going, boy, what is he singing yeah. at? Right. But then, Hey, look immediately afterwards the he gets the, uh, gets the insurance run, makes it four one. And that's the final score, but only getting four hits from your top five batters. I mean, I see a text here as well. Uh, Let me just try and find it. Uh, Here it is. This is from Peter in Toronto. Uh, As of this minute, so this was around 5.30 Eastern, so this doesn't take into account everything afterwards, but I don't think the point changes too much. Peter in Toronto saying, as of this minute, Bo Bichette has the second lowest OPS of the Blue Jays starting lineup. Yeti is batting cleanup. Even Chapman and Biggio, yes, Biggio, have higher OPS. Only Espinal is lower than Bichette. Does this make any sense to bat Bichette cleanup? That's from Peter in Toronto.
1: Yeah, that's... uh... That's a fascinating discussion, and it's, a, a, it's one that I don't think anyone has the answers to just yet. Um, is Bo Bichette going to stay in, 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 in bat cleanup for the rest of the season? I would be surprised if that were the case. I think that he has also proven to be sort of a, a, a streaky hitter this year. And when he's good, he's really good, and he's using the whole field and when he's not good, he is really chasing those pitches out right. of the zone. This was such an awkward outing for him, too. I think he had two or three strikeouts and a walk. And so, you know, kind of all over the place. Um, and I just looked up real quick here, uh, Cutter Crawford's number numbers in terms of first first pitch strikes. He's actually below league average. So I thought maybe that would be an explanation as to why we're seeing so many uh, swings early in the count. Right. But it it doesn't hold, uh, you know, in terms of strategy or or, or uh, approach at the plate. So that's certainly a good point. And I think that there's a there's a level of maybe misplaced confidence, perhaps, you know, coming in from a, a, a win like like last night. You, you you sort of feel a little bit more comfortable, and you're trying to swing a little bit too much. And with Tay Oscar, I feel like we we have seen him try to guess. A lot this year and and the results are usually not good um thankfully here for the blue jays the bottom of the lineup sort of picked it up again today Um, but the production at the top will certainly have to improve if they want want to keep this winning streak alive at the same time we know that this lineup has been shuffled since uh john schneider took over as interim manager so i don't think that Schneider has all the answers just yet. I think that they're trying new things here and, and, and this will continue on for a little bit longer. I personally am not the biggest fan of the way that this lineup is constructed right now, um, because I think that it it is probably not taking advantage of, of, of guys like Flagler Jr. And uh, Kirk to their fullest, but I'm not a major league baseball manager, right? So this is just my opinion based on what we've seen from this team and the characteristics of these hitters. Uh, there might be some discomfort there as well. Um, you know, those guys were pretty set uh, on their places in the lineup. And when you shuffle that, there will also be an adjustment period. So those are just some hypotheses of, uh, of what it is that may be going on with the top of the lineup and what we can expect moving forward.
0: Yeah. I do wonder with Boba I mean, he's already been moved down to the cleanup spot I I just, I would be surprised if it moves any further, essentially, right? I think we had heard that, I think it was, I forget if it was in his very first press conference or maybe the second one, but John Schneider speaking to the media and he talks about, he had a conversation with both Vladdy and with Bo about buying into them hitting where they are now in this kind of new batting order since he became manager and they both bought in. I just, I feel like it would be difficult to say, hey, we want you to bat second Vladdy. we want Bo to bat fourth and then... What a week later, two weeks later, say, hey, Bo, actually, we want you to bat sixth. We want you to bat seventh. I, again, may, like maybe it shouldn't be hard, but I, I do think be, I I don't disagree with what Peter and Dennis say in the sense that maybe you should be batting lower the way things are going. Like maybe the batting order should be a little more fluid. But at the same time, you you, you take into account their the, these these real people and how they you know, and also in addition to that, these athletes who are like maniacally competitive, probably to for the for, for for the most part. Uh, it's probably not something you want to uh, to want to be tinkering too too much. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on the cell Eddie from Forty Erie. Welcome back to Jay's Stock Eddie.
4: Uh, thanks uh, Sean and Julia. Thanks thanks thank you for taking my call. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to say before I get to my comment that when I heard the uh, uh, Manoa audio, I really hope next year. He faces Justin Verlander because if they do, I will buy a ticket to see that matchup. <laughs>
0: sure, that'd be good. That that would be appointment viewing. I think Eddie. Oh, definitely because Verlander's done it all. I I was
4: even there when he first when he threw the first of his two no hitters in Toronto a long time ago. That was that was one of my highlights of attending uh, ball games um, of all time. By the way, um, now I thought um, to, uh, today for Manoa, that six inning kind of defined his outing today because you know what. He had a small window to uh use his pitches you know with the shadows and that sort of thing, right because you know he would he really had to try to you know use that to his advantage and he had only a small window to use that because then once it got shadier, then you know it was kind of a fair game, so that was that that's what I noticed and if the Red Sox don't like how he's fired up, then guess what too bad because this is what the road to October is all about when you're in a pennant race. You got to win games and you got to show emotion. And if they don't like it, too bad. That's why the Blue Jays I see right now, Show and Julia, they are on a mission to, you know, turn a right from wrong in the second half and make things really, really fun down the stretch, the way I see it.
0: Hey, Eddie, appreciate the call, man. Thanks for calling into Jay's talk. Uh, Julia, I think we're getting a, a theme with these callers. We got James from Toronto last night, and we have Eddie, certainly, who calls in. Often and I appreciate appreciate that. Certainly. Uh, yeah, people, people, people know sympathy <laughs> for the Red Sox or their fans. I I completely agree, though. I completely agree that when it comes to Franchi Cordero kind of like looking askew at, at Manoa as he walks off the field or or Dahlbeck kind of like, who is this guy? Well, you know what? I don't know. Play a little better then, and I mean, Dahlbeck had already gotten a home run off of Manoa earlier in the game. So, uh, do you believe that Manoa was a little bit more fired up to to kind of say something to him to end to end an inning when he was nearing 100 pitches? Yeah, absolutely. You I believe
1: know that. it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, he is just I don't know. He is he's a he is such a talented pitcher, and I think the fire like you don't you don't see that same kind of fire from like Ross Stripling right? You don't, you're don't. you not going to see that same kind of fire necessarily from I don't know, like Max Castillo let's say. Maybe like, maybe you will to a degree but you don't see it from every kind of picture like the kind of stuff you see from Alec Manoa emotion wise. It Honestly, it reminds me of um, not Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer. That's who it reminds me of. Mad Max, right? I mean that guy is like a real maniac out there on the mound. He puts his glove over his mouth and he kind of is, is like... I, you can only imagine what he's saying to himself. Manoa on, does truly remind me of that kind yeah, of picture. And,
1: and- you know, uh, to quote Charlie Montoya, who's not here anymore, but uh, never forgotten. Just like hitting is contagious, as he liked to say. So is momentum. So is the, the energy and the, the competitiveness around these ballplayers. I agree with our caller. I mean, this is the time to build on something that has been in the works for a while. This is the time to realize that potential. And that starts with the energy that you put out there when when you're on the field, when you're in the dugout, in the clubhouse. Uh, that competitive spirit will help the Blue Jays more often than not. Now, was it important that John Schneider sort of pulled Manoa to the side and de-escalated the situation when Manoa was in the dugout and was still very much heated, very fired up? About uh, that exchange of words with Dahlbeck, was it important that Schneider sat down with him and said whatever it was that he said? Which he'll probably get that question uh, during his media availability here if he hasn't already. That to me was was also a display of uh, of leadership in in many ways by Schneider to to sort of bring the temperatures back down. Yes, you were fired up. Yes, you have every right to be. But now it's time to. Just support your team and 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 get out of that headspace and back into the game. So, love the display of emotion. I think that that's Alec Manoa being himself, and and that's all you can hope for with a guy like that. Also, very impressed with uh, with Schneider's ability to. Bring him back to an even keel and not let the the situation escalate any further because the last thing you would want at that point in the ma- in the game is a bases clearing uh, situation you wouldn't want that uh, or a sorry a, a benches clearing situation because Blue Jays were ahead uh, on track to win the game you sort of need to know when to stop and and really carry that momentum forward instead of. Uh, losing it uh, to something like that. You never want to clear the benches at Fenway as the road team. That's just not something that sounds fun to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But Manoa Manoa managed to stay even keel after finishing his outing. I believe it was 97 pitches, uh, seven strikeouts over six innings of work. Uh, We're going to step aside. When we come back, we will do the Bet365 standings update and go back to the phone lines and the text line as well. You're listening to Jay's talk here, Show and Julia on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. and Julia with you until 10 past the hour as we discuss this 4-1 Blue Jays win over the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. Guarantees them the series victory. They will go for the sweep tomorrow. Ross Stripling will head to the mound for the Blue Jays. It'll be Stripling's first appearance Uh, after the all-star break can i just say real quick julia before we get to the bet 365 update yes you may uh have you heard the nickname for stripling people call him chicken strip have you heard that? where is that do you know where that comes from Uh, i was seeing i was seeing that on like social media and twitter and so on i gotta say maybe this makes me a curmudgeon
1: i think it's dumb i think it's a dumb nickname it's not (laughs) it's not the best i have heard it before i'm honestly not a huge proponent of it i would agree with you Ross Stripling is a pretty strong name. Uh, we should probably leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> some nicknames are great. Mad Max, great nickname. Yeah, so fitting to to his personality. Chicken Strip. I mean, you're kind of selling the guy short, aren't you?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I'm not not a huge fan of that. That it just seems kind of like I don't know, like
1: childish. Yeah. To, start,
0: to a certain degree. He deserves yeah. better. Yeah, I agree. Because you know what, Stripling has become. Uh, a pretty valued member of uh, of this ball club, I would there say, especially go. if moving from the bullpen to the starting rotation. But either way, St- uh, Stripling will head to the he will head to the uh, mound tomorrow for the Blue Jays. Uh, let's get to the Bet365 standings update with Bet365. You can bet on things like player props, totals or the money line across many different sports. 19 plus play responsibly Ontario only. So the Yankees are in action right now. They are playing the Baltimore Orioles. They're up to nothing and the bottom of the second inning and the Tampa Bay Rays are in action right now as well against the Royals top of the third zeros between those two teams those games are in action right now so the, this, this might change this is subject to change but right right now after the uh, Jays game ends and with those games on the go Yankees 65 and 30 Tampa Bay Rays 52 41 Toronto is 52 and 43 now with the win today the Boston Red Sox just one game above 548 and 47 And the Baltimore Orioles are one game below 546 and 47. Honestly, if you had told me Julia in like after the all-star break that the Red Sox and Orioles would have the same amount of losses on the season, I probably would have said, I don't believe you.
1: It's just plain weird. Um, I think it shows one, uh, just the lack of depth in this uh, Red Sox club. And, and obviously they've been hit with some, some key injuries there that, have not helped at all. But two, that the Baltimore Orioles are on the right track. It seems like they are actually building a good team that will contend for years to come, which is a pretty interesting thing to say. And obviously we we knew that this day would come, but now that it's here, it seems like forever, right? Since the last time the Baltimore Orioles were competitive in any way, shape or form. I mean, do
0: you think it's fa- fair safe safe to say, fair to say that the last time they were competitive was the wild card game against the Blue Jays in 2016?
1: Probably. I would, yeah.
0: Really? Like, kind of?
1: Kind of. Uh, yeah. And and now, like, obviously, the team looks completely different. And, I mean, so many first overall picks, right? That's what that will do, I guess, yeah, yeah. Uh, over time. Um, it's kind of fun to watch. I, I know that it won't be fun for Blue Jays fans in the coming years, but whenever you see a team, a young team like that sort of come into its own, it is pretty exciting uh, from just a baseball fan's point of view.
0: The Orioles are going to be one of those teams that I think people are are going to be surprised by between now um, and the end of the season. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. 416-870-0590, 590 star 590. Alberto calling in from Mississauga. Welcome to Jay's Talk, Alberto. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, absolutely. What's up? Oh, fantastic. I'm just, I just want to get your sense of
3: how much of a difference you think it made that we got this, uh, our new manager in place and it just feels like a different energy. But having said that, that's typically what happens. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that is one, do you think it's real? Do you think it's just what
0: typically happens?
1: Hey, Alberto, thanks for your call here. And that's a great question. i, I It's kind of a a toss-up whenever a a manager gets let go and an interim manager comes in. I think that we have two prime examples of that right now in MLB and not with the Blue Jays, which is uh, Phil Nevin and uh, Thompson in uh, in, uh, Los Angeles and Philly, uh, respectively. So it worked out really well for the Phillies. It did not work out well at all for the Los Angeles Angels. And so it's... uh, it's always hard to predict how those things will go. What I will say is that it seemed like Charlie Montoyo was the perfect manager to lead the blue Jays through the rebuild, especially when the pandemic hit and the blue Jays were forced to move around so much. They could, they didn't really have a home ballpark. They were living out of hotels and the, the type of disposition that Charlie Montoyo brought to that squad was perfect for that moment. Now, when the Blue Jays entered this new phase, uh, it kind of seemed like Montoyo's personality and his leadership style just, just wasn't necessarily what the Blue Jays needed at that moment. You know, John Schneider spoke a lot about accountability when he came in as interim manager. That was never really Montoyo's calling card. He was more of a motivator than anything else. So a change in leadership, sometimes that's what it brings. It brings a different energy, a different set of skills. It doesn't mean that Charlie Montoyo is a bad manager or that John Schneider is a better manager in in any way. Um, but a lot changed uh, within this Blue Jays clubhouse since Montoyo took over. And so perhaps it was the time for a change in leadership. It's For me, it's it's a little disappointing that... The team couldn't make it work with Charlie Montoyo because we know that it doesn't fall solely on him, the 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 way that things went at the first half of the season. I think that we all know that this team has some glaring holes that need to be addressed. Bullpen is a huge one. Starting rotation is another one. Bench death just uh, isn't there right now if if they want to go on a deep postseason run. Um, but right now it does feel and look pretty real it also doesn't hurt that john schneider knows this team really well he's been within the organization for many years now and he knows how to talk to these players he has been doing so for a while so when he sits down with manoa and de-escalates the situation you really see that that human human element is there as well as the strategic element which is something that he has been doing forever right uh, with uh, with the blue jays is it real? Time will tell. But as of right now, it seems like that shakeup, that different energy, that different sty- style of leadership is working out for the Blue Jays. I don't know if you would agree with that show.
0: I, I do think that sometimes, and I don't think this is necessarily an indictment of Charlie Montoyo, but I do think sometimes, sometimes you just need a change. Sometimes there's a, a new voice is required and it's not because the, you've lost the clubhouse or anything so dramatic, but maybe maybe at some point, they This team went from a team that needed guidance for young players to a team that's ready to win. And maybe Charlie Montoyo, you know, with with a different kind of team, you require a different kind of manager. And maybe John Schneider is that guy. He, I believe he's still the interim manager. So you're probably going to be having this conversation again as to whether or not he's the right guy come the end of the season. Uh, but I mean, other teams have done changes. And again, you mentioned the Angels and Phillies, and there are other teams that have like, in the past couple of years that have made different kinds of changes going with former players who have not had a ton of managing experience or going with career minor leaguer, got minor league players who have become bench coaches elsewhere, kind of like Charlie Montoyo. So I, I just I think it's it was it's definitely it was definitely required. It certainly feels like, but. I mean, had had they waited until the end of the season to do it, I don't think I would have been super surprised. I Actually, honestly, we don't have to relitigate the whole thing in terms of the the, the, the timeline, but I, I was genuinely surprised they did it in the fashion they did leading up to the All-Star break. But, um, hey, John Schneider has been, uh, so far, certainly seems like he's been paying dividends. I, I wonder on strategy, though, Julia. You mentioned strategy, and I think... People talk about the the being able to push the right button out of the bullpen. Let's say, right? And today we saw after Manoa departs at the end of six, we saw I believe it was Jimmy Garcia, Adam Simber, uh, Mesa did warm up, although he did not pitch in this ball game. But uh, after Adam Simber was a little a little more ineffective than we we're used to seeing. Uh, Romano came in for the four out save, and Romano was pretty thrifty with the pitches. So that's always good to see. So I don't think Romano is going to go tomorrow if they can help it. But I guess if there's a, if, if they, you know, break glass in case of emergency, maybe he goes for, for an out or two, but I, um, I I was talking to you about this during the ball game, but just the way, and I don't think this is necessarily only on Schneider or even on Montoya, but just the way this roster is constructed with the bullpen. Uh, again, Jimmy Garcia, I think for me is firmly in the circle of trust and Adam Simber still is. But I just can't help but think that one more guy who could throw smoke out of the bullpen would allow the entire bullpen, essentially, to be rejigged in a way that everyone can be used in a little bit of a better role. Like today, I'm not going to quibble because they won. But Adam Simber, to me, is a seventh inning is a seventh inning reliever. Jimmy Garcia, probably more as a eighth inning setup type guy. Right. Those are in my head's my head that's I only have one head uh that's their that, that's their role when it comes to the bullpen usage and i don't know i just can't help but think that someone like a gregory soto or someone like a david bedner who are obviously coveted pieces for every major league contender but it would just help refocus the bullpen just enough to make it a little more effective
1: yeah i will say that i was a bit uh hesitant when i saw adam simber come in uh to pitch the eighth inning and nothing against adam simber i think that he is one of the best relievers in that pen right now. He's done a terrific job and he's earned the trust of, uh, uh, of the manager, of that ball club at the same time. Is that the most effective way to use uh, a guy like Adam Simber, who doesn't really have a lot of velocity in his pitches, who doesn't really have uh, the strikeout potential, although he did get a, a, a punch out to end his outing there for out number two in the, in the eighth inning to me, it does feel like Adam Simber is more of a seventh inning guy. I would just I would have swapped them to be honest with you. I would have let Simber get the seventh and, and, and Garcia get the eighth. Now is it a good thing that Tim Mesa didn't pitch today? Absolutely it is because like you said, you know, Jordan Romano comes in, gets four outs. That's a pretty strenuous outing for him. and you, when you have a well-rested Tim Mesa, that gives you a little bit more flexibility uh, and a little bit more of a cushion to bring him in with uh, with two out in the eighth and ask him to get four outs for you. Uh, same goes for David Phelps, who has been at times used in save situations. I believe he has a single save this year, but he is a, a, a seen as more of a late innings type of guy. Th- this bullpen is far from perfect. We know this. Uh, and we also know that coaching staff and and the manager, there's only so much they can do. So when it comes to strategy, it's easy to, to sort of uh, look and, and and try to figure out what to do when you're there and when you're managing the game, it's obviously a lot different, but I agree with you 100% that one more piece in that relief core would probably change things a lot and, and, and give not only the manager, but also the entire pitching staff a little bit more of a cushion, a little bit more of, a little bit more breathing room, if you will, to just do their jobs and, and try to define a little bit better what their jobs are. Yeah.
0: I would love for that guy to have been Nate Pearson, but at this, I, we're at the point now where, they, I, like you just there's, there's no more expectations, I think. I know people, because people often yeah. text in and be like, hey, what about Nate Pearson? What can we get for Nate Pearson? Honestly, the answer is probably not a lot at this point because the expectations keep on decreasing. And that's a shame. That's a real shame, a shame because I think he, that, that guy has all the talent in the world. He just can't stay healthy. So I, I'd hoped it would be Nate Pearson, which is why you look at the other names in the trade market. I mean, hey, would I, wouldn't I love the Blue Jays to go out there and trade for Soto or Gregory Soto? Well, Soto too, but Gregory Soto for the bullpen. Um, <laughs> One thing or, at a time. Yeah, one thing at a time. Trade for our, uh, I don't know, it's the the guy's name from uh, from Baltimore, Jorge Lopez. I would love for them to go out and get someone like that. But the truth is those guys cost a lot for good reason because they're under team control for a number more seasons. So seems unlikely. But uh, yeah, even if, even if they do go out and get... Uh, maybe a guy who's going to be a free agent in the in a year or two, maybe that guy might cost a little less. We're starting to see trades trickle out here and there. I think we saw yesterday Colin Holderman, who is a, a Mets reliever de- dealt to the Pirates for Daniel Vogelbach, the one time Blue Jay. So maybe ne- maybe now that we're getting a little closer to the trade deadline, things are going to start uh, start trickling in here um, on the text line. Julie, I see a couple more before we go. Uh, John from Oshawa great game today as usual with Alec on the mound he is awesome I see here from Tony and Kitchener uh, Manoa is my ace even on a bad day when his stuff is not there he is still better than many on the mound I love the hungriness for wins I'm gonna say this if teams want Manoa in a package for a trade be it Soto or Otani if he is being traded I will pass Manoa is untouchable empty the farm but do not touch our Manoa so Tony a big fan of Alec Manoa I see um I like this, these couple texts from Will and Georgina text in with the chicken emoji. Chicken Strip is a totally badass nickname. And Ducky from Winnipeg texts in, sorry, Chicken Strip or Prime Strip Loin are the choices. Prime Strip. What do you think of Prime Strip? I haven't heard that one. Prime Strip Loin. What do you think of that for for Ross Stripling?
1: I like Ross Stripling.
0: <laughs> so no 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 nicknames for Julia? Nah,
1: No. Right. I don't even. I don't, I'm not a fan of nicknames, period. Okay. All right. It's a, it's a it's probably a character flaw. I'm not gonna lie, but here we are.
0: Look, if you want to text in uh, people at some point, a nickname for Julia, Jules, perhaps. Uh, what do you think of Jules?
1: So my partner calls me Julesy. I probably shouldn't be saying this live <laughs> on the radio. That's um, uh. that's uh, not. I don't know. I I really my name is Julia. You know. I, I don't know. I don't like it.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. All right. Well, that is uh, Julia Julesy Kreutz. I'm Show Alley. <laughs> Let us
1: not catch on. <laughs> that
0: We are done for Jays Talk here. Appreciate the calls and texts, everyone, as always. I uh, Thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links Meets Snacks. Feed your wild side baseball fans. Uh, Jays beat the Red Sox 4-1. to one tomorrow uh ross stripling not chicken strip not prime strip loin ross stripling will head to the mound for toronto brian bayo will go for the red sox one of the top prospects first pitch flies at 1 35 p.m eastern 10 35 a.m pacific and blair and barker will have jay's talk tomorrow the guys are rested after their all-star break they are back for jay's talk they will take your calls and texts after the final out ben wagner has to call tomorrow 1 35 p.m eastern 10 35 a.m pacific we'll talk to you then